Welcome to the Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name's Holly Powell, and I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the collects of the Book of Common Prayer. Now, collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in, you might collect sexy nurse Halloween costumes, including first aid flirt nurse, sexy vital signs, sexy home care nurse, and hot flash. Sexy! (laughs) Wow! Those are amazing! (laughs) I like the first aid flirt nurse. I'm a fan of sexy vital signs. <laughs> <laughs> Your pulse is getting higher. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That is something. Well, you know, it's October. Hey, it's true. It's true. And it's especially appropriate because today we're going to be talking about the collect for the feast day of St. Luke the Physician. Who I'm sure is thrilled to be associated with sexy nurse costumes. Oh, look. I mean, I think he's the patron saint of sexy nurses. <laughs> <laughs> the unsexy nurses have a different saint. <laughs> right. <laughs> His feast day is on October 18th, but because that's Sunday... It was transferred this year to October 19th. Should we read the collect? Let's go for it. All right. You can find it on page 244 of the BCP. Almighty God, who inspired your servant Luke the physician to set forth in the gospel the love and healing power of your son, graciously continue in your church this love and power to heal to the praise and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Holly, what's your favorite gospel? Luke. Is that that true or are you just saying that because it's a podcast about Luke? (laughs) I've never actually thought about it, but there are certainly parts of Luke that I am very fond of. Well, he he does have some of the the greatest hits of the New Testament. Indeed, indeed. He's not a one-hit wonder. No, no, because he's got the most familiar version of the Christmas story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Without Luke, there's no Jesus being born in a stable. Word. He's got the Magnificat. That's my favorite part of the Gospels, so, you know, that's one of the reasons I chose him there. He's got the entire book of Acts. Whoa, what? (laughs) (laughs) Say more about that. Huh? Luke wrote Acts, too. He did? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. He tells the story of the Ascension twice. Way to go, Luke. And his gospel is particularly notable uh, for being written in the most sophisticated Greek among the synoptic gospels. Uh, And also for having a particular concern for women, Uh, in particular Mary gets a bigger role uh, in this gospel than in any of the others, Uh, and also a concern for the poor. Uh, A good way to kind of see that is in the Beatitudes, uh, where Matthew 
renders blessed are the poor as blessed are the poor in spirit, and Luke just says blessed are the poor. Hmm. Is it also true, I think I read this somewhere, that the prodigal son and the the lost sheep are only in Luke? Hang on, let me get out my uh, synoptic parallel. Give me a sec. Sure. You don't happen to have a chapter on prodigal. Oh, there it is. Prodigal son is Luke only. What was the other one you said? The lost sheep. Matthew has it, but Luke expands it very dramatically. Gotcha. Well, those are both like important things. I, I have a special place in my heart for the parable of the prodigal son because it is the first... I preached on that gospel the first time I ever preached in front really? of people. Yeah. Can you say more about your sermon? I sure can. I wrote this sermon from, it was kind of a storytelling sermon written from the point of view of the son, of the prodigal son, and what it would be like to, how the gospel really focuses on the joy of the the father but how difficult it would be to be the one coming back home and how hard how hard it is for us to come back home to god yeah coming back and saying you're wrong and accepting forgiveness and right it sounds like a pretty good sermon thanks dude it was beginner's luck yeah (laughs) (laughs) well this collect doesn't focus so much on the gospel as Luke's day job. How do we know he was a doctor? Does it ever, I don't recall it, or maybe Paul says it. Does Paul say it? Yeah, I think Paul does say it. Oh, I see. I've got it. Paul in Colossians chapter four calls him our beloved physician. Hmm. Yeah, and so we know that he hung out with Paul. In Second Timothy, which Paul is writing from prison, he notes that uh, Luke is with him. But anyway, the collect is emphasizing that Luke is a physician and that he sets forth in the gospel the love and healing power of Jesus. And what we're asking for is that God continue in the church the power to heal. What do we think about that? (laughs) The power to heal? You know, I have such mixed feelings about this, or or maybe my feelings about it aren't mixed, but I've got a mixed history with it. My first exposure to Christian healing was in college watching Benny Hinn on TV, healing people in stadiums. And he was the one who would put his palm on people's forehead and be like, be healed. Be healed, yep. (laughs) And they would fall over. And then, you know, people were getting to walk again and all that. Anyway, but he kept knocking people down. And that was his (laughs) signature move. Looking at that, and that was before was before I was a Christian, I was like, what the hell is going on and why is this guy such a fraud? You know, I, I'm not specifically aware that Benny Hinn is one of the televangelists who has been charged with something. I'm sure somebody can Wikipedia that for me. Uh, but I'm not really sure that I believe now even that he's doing real healing. But um, your mileage may vary. Yeah, I also, when you hear... Um, the church heals people. I get that that sense of showmanship, kind of. Uh, then you could say, well, was Jesus being a showman when he blah, blah, blah. Okay, sorry. Sorry, God. That got sacrilegious <laughs> there for just a sec. I do believe that you can heal people. But then I think about my own experiences with unction and with healing prayer. 
at my own church and, and at other congregations and how there's something that is, um, I'm trying to think of a good synonym for healing here. It's, that's where I'm headed. It's a holistic kind of, and it changes, it has changed things for me. It hasn't ever, um, man, I'm just rambling right now. Go ahead. No, but I think I know what you mean. So as you know, a scientifically minded person, even though the healing miracles are a big part of what Jesus did, just like Jesus uh, was doing exorcisms all the time. You know, I, I have to say that I believe that it is God has the capability to heal. God has the capability to exorcise demons. I mean, we've got this weird like couple of paragraphs in the book of occasional services about exorcism uh which basically boils down to uh don't try this at home and talk to your bishop <laughs> there's that starting point for me but then also you know i've also had these experiences of a different kind of healing you know at my church we were one of very few churches in uh the 80s and 90s to uh, to welcome people living with AIDS um, as part of our congregation. Mm -hmm. And particularly in the 80s, there, there was such stigma around that. I think about Ryan White and all that. If you had HIV, people were afraid to touch you. And so we have in one of the side chapels, a person, used to be two people, we're down to one right now, available to pray with people with, with oil and laying on of hands every Sunday, because that was, and, and the origin of that is that many members of our congregation needed healing and they needed, and they needed to be touched. While that's a somewhat less pressing issue in our parish now, that there are very effective HIV treatments, uh, that survives. And I'm one of the people who is on the healing prayer team. I think there are about a dozen of us who, who rotate around. And I think about the things that people ask me to pray for with them. You know, sometimes it is praying for people who are about to go into surgery or recovering from surgery or having an illness or... Um, praying about a pregnancy or things like that. But I've also been praying with people to be healed of, of anger and resentment. And, you know, I've had people pray for me, mm -hmm. you know, back in the day when I was trying to quit smoking. Um, and, you know, and more recently as I've been going through the, the various phases of grieving for my mother. Yes, that that's exactly what I was admittedly awkwardly trying to say before. You know, one of the ongoing issues in my adult life has been this chronic sleep disorder that I have, which is in its most base form, it means that I don't, I can't, my body doesn't recognize when I've had enough sleep. Hmm. Like no matter how much I sleep, I could, I slept 14 hours yesterday and I still woke up exhausted. It's it's difficult. Yeah, it comes and goes. Sometimes it is, sometimes are better than others. But I've been on the receiving end of many healing prayers. It's not like all of a sudden I got better, but I felt more equipped to cope. That's about as much healing as I think I could ask for. The church has something unique to offer here. There are just moments of surprising intimacy and connection around this. Yes. And that's something that's 
not really offered in many other areas of, of, of life or of our society. And maybe in family relationships, but, you know, sometimes people are telling me things because I'm a relative stranger and it's easier to do that. So, oh, sure. Why do you think therapists are yeah. <laughs> a thing? You know, I think you're right. And I also think that there is a danger to lapse into kind of harmful theology when you get into healing. Can God really? Well, I'm not going to say can God, but because God can, but this kind of question of, well, if, if, uh, if you're a good enough Christian and you pray enough, you have enough people praying for you, then then you can be healed of your uh, terminal illness right, or right. whatever. You know, I certainly don't think that's the case, but I do think that that there's great power in in the way our church approaches this. If I just think about this as a matter of healthcare, we have a healthcare system that I think is pretty impersonal. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the amount of attention that that a typical person can get from a doctor, and we're all going to die. That's just going to happen. What? And, yeah, sorry, Holly. Damn um, <laughs> But I, when you're when you're praying with somebody or you're praying for somebody, you're acknowledging their importance and their humanity, and you're bringing that importance and that meaning before God. I don't know. It's a way of acknowledging the person who is facing an illness or an injury or, you know, a sickness mm-hmm. of the soul or whatever, um, creating meaning in our fleeting lives. You said a sickness of the soul, which made me think of, of the history of this collect, which I think is pretty interesting. Its original form spoke only of diseases of the soul, basically Mm. saying, may God heal all of the diseases of our souls by the medicine of his gospel. This was rewritten in the 79 prayer book to kind of not be that specific, but to talk about healing in a general term. Our friend Marion Hatchett says that this is in keeping with the church's renewed emphasis on healing. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I thought was... I mean, since that revision occurred before I was born, I didn't know that that was a renewed emphasis. But is that true? I mean, is that is that is this a newer kind of movement or thing that's been happening? Well, I think it is because as our branch of the Anglican Communion has actually drifted in a more Catholic direction, mm-hmm. uh, there's been more emphasis on the body or, or, or the whole so the whole person. Um, sure. And, you know, the, the whole range of physicality and worship. You know, I actually kind of love this ambiguity of, of being a person who simultaneously has an appropriate amount of faith in modern medicine, um, <laughs> but also saying that also God is part of this for me. Not that I have any confidence that if I'm a faithful person, I'm not going to get a dread disease. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going out one way or another. Right. Um, and I also think that this new ambiguity gives it a little bit more broad scope in healing things that aren't just personal hurts, but societal ones. You know, mm-hmm. we were talking about Luke's gospel being a gospel that really focused on poverty and mercy. We're praying for the church to have the power to heal. Maybe we're talking about healing those wounds as well. Yeah. 
So on a lighter note, <laughs> because I am I am me and this is what I do, I thought I would tell you all a little bit about St. Luke being the patron saint of. Uh-oh. Now, this one is not really super surprising. Doctors, surgeons, butchers, which is awkward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then artists because i guess there was some like confusion or or maybe people thought that he was an artist but maybe was it really an artist i don't know it's confusing but uh saint luke is the patron saint of artists as well hmm. and notaries really yeah huh i don't know why okay and people who make beer all right so, I mean, for those things alone, <laughs> as both a beer drinker and a notary public, I salute you, St. Luke. <laughs> Are you a notary? If, yes, I am. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, man. What kind of power does that give you? Well, in the state of Kentucky and, and in other states as well, though not all states, many states will require you to get something notarized by a notary in your state. But I can witness your signature and affirm by my own signature that I saw you sign it. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you use that power only for good. I do. And you know what's the best part of all is that when you become a notary, there's actually like a really involved process which involves bringing a person to the notary office that knows you that can attest for your identity okay and then you have to swear an oath which includes no lie that you have not nor will not participate in a duel what (laughs) (laughs) yes it's true in the year 2012 i swore a solemn oath that i would never participate in a duel wow yeah all right then (laughs) and i owe that all to saint luke man Man, wow, that's incredible. If you feel that you have learned more than you ever expected to about the life and duties of a notary and appreciate that information, please share this podcast with a friend. Um, And if you'd like to hear more like it, possibly with less emphasis on being a notary, you might want to check out the other podcasts in the Via Media Collective, a network of podcasts with an Anglican sensibility. Find out more at viamediacollective.org or on Twitter at vmcollective. And actually, I'm just going to cop to it. Uh, The other podcasts in our collective have been kind of dormant lately, but Social Media Sunday is coming up, and I know that uh, our partners, as well as a number of the other Episcopal podcasts out there, will be producing special episodes. So uh, now would be a good time to check it out. Yes, definitely. And I don't know what would be wrong with someone who wouldn't want to hear more about notaries. It's (laughs) fascinating. I'm going to start my own notary podcast now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, I think that means it's time for the Twitter challenge. I believe it is. You want to go first? Sure. We ask your healing power for sexy nurses, sexy nurses aides, and sexy nurse practitioners, and also other healthcare professionals. Hashtag St. Luke. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) Sexy nurses need love too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, here's mine. 
Luke, you're up there with my favorite doctors. Though, to be completely honest, I still have a soft spot for Dre. Hashtag St. Luke. <laughs> hashtag the chronic. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, if you would like to send us your tweets about uh, sexy nurses or Dr. Dre or other more spiritual topics, you can do that at The Collect Call or send us an email at thecollectcall at acts8movement.org or, you know, we're not really in the business of promoting the sexy nurse industrial complex. No, we don't want you to find these things. Uh, So we're not posting that on Pinterest, but you can Google it. Yep. (laughs) And you can find our parent organization, whom I'm sure is extremely grateful we're not pinning sexy nurses. Uh, (laughs) at x8movement.org or on Facebook or Twitter at x8, that's the number eight, movement. Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And join us next week where we will be talking about the collect for St. James of Jerusalem and also Social Media Sunday. That's right. And Holly, do you know what episode number it's going to be? I'm going to count it. Of course I know. 99! That's right. So listeners coming up, we also have a special episode for our 100th um, episode. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that was yeah. inelegant. Sorry, listeners. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Let all mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended our full homage to demand. So, hold on just a second. Somehow my cat just turned on the TV. <laughs> <laughs>